of livestock and stuff because of this. That's awesome. So are you selling the livestock too? Uh, no. Uh, well, actually, we're about to sell the cows. We raise Wagyu, and we're actually oh, nice. sending them next week to the market because the price of beef is through the roof right Yeah? Now. How much can you get from one cow? Uh, they're running about 3800 bucks right now. For so one that's cow? that's just to send the cow in. So you could send 100 cows and make 380 grand? Yeah. Holy crap. Welcome back, guys. We're here on the Digital Social Hour. Got with me an amazing guest, someone I've been trying to get on for a while, Ryan Stuman in the building. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. What you been up to lately? I know you're with your mastermind, your courses, like all that stuff. I'm up to everything, but the, the thing I've been doing the most of lately is working on building and flipping ranches, believe mm, it or not. Ranches. So, yeah, in, in real estate, I've been doing this for 20 years, and in real estate, you, you go through kind of a progression. You know, You start out flipping maybe contracts, to people for a thousand or two thousand dollars a pop mm -hmm. then you get a little money behind you and you might flip a house and make 10 or 30 or fifty thousand dollars and then that gets boring mm. right and yeah. then you uh, i started flipping raw land where we can make you know usually you can make five figures on a flip six figures to seven figures on raw land because if i have a five thousand square foot home and i renovate it i might be able to add 10 or 20 dollars a square foot to it spread that out over five thousand we're talking twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars right right but with a ranch, I can go pick up a thousand acres for a couple grand, mark it up to five thousand an acre, put a road on it, something like that. It's mm. inexpensive, and now I'm selling a thousand times thousands of dollars, so we make hundreds of thousands and millions that way. Wow! So, uh, and right now, a lot of people are worried about the state of the economy, whether we're going to go to war and everything else. So yeah. I found a place an hour and a half from Dallas, where I live. And uh, in Dallas, if you're anywhere outside of DFW, if you try to find an acre of land, it's twenty five thousand dollars minimum. Damn. But right across the Red River in Oklahoma, where it's beautiful, I can get them for five to $10,000 an acre. Mm. And, uh, and then I can build stuff on them. So it's actually been pretty lucrative, fun side hustle. Wow. And uh, now we're up to like 150 cattle. We've got 200-something elk. I've got a Man. hell of a lot of, of livestock and stuff because of this. That's awesome. So are you selling the livestock too? Uh, no. Uh, well, actually, we're about to sell the cows. We raise Wagyu, and we're actually oh, nice. sending them next week to the market because the price of beef is through the roof right yeah? now. Yeah? How much can you get from one cow? Uh, they're running about 3800 bucks right now. For so one cow? So that's just to send the cow in. So you could send 100 cows and make 380 grand? Yeah. Holy crap. And they'll process it down. Think how much a Wagyu steak costs, though. Yeah. You know, you run up the strip here and grab one at any of these steakhouses, and you're paying $125, $150 for that Easily. steak. So huge markup once the butcher gets a hold of it and everything mm. else. So Wow. Yeah, you're not the first person that's told me about this land flipping. I think Cole Hatter's doing it, too. He mentioned he made I was seven, with him yeah. yesterday, and he... Yeah, he just made $4 million on an entitlement deal where all he did was pay the legal fees, he said, was $400,000 yeah. to cover the entitlement. So land is where it's at, for wow. sure. Wow. So how do you go about buying land? Is there a site, or do you have to go through an agent? Well, funny story. So I bought my ranch, the Caddo Ridge Ranch, and I did a creative financing deal with the owner. Mm. He wanted $2.75 I said, let me give you $2.5 million. I'll give you five hundred cash. I'll pay you, uh, I'll pay you on a two-year note have you paid off so i'll pay you monthly every month for two years carried at zero percent interest and at first he was like well i want some interest i was like look you can keep your cattle there you can keep your horses there your your guys can still just treat it as if it's your own i'm gonna be back in dallas most of the time anyway yeah. so treat it as if you're there i need somebody to run the ranch anyhow and so about two or three months into running this place i poured a, a 
a road and built bridges and all this stuff to be able to cross the creeks through there. Wow. And uh, spent like half a million dollars renovating it, making it even better. Dang. Dug, dug lakes deeper. I've got 14 lakes. I made a place where we can have a good time, but at the end of the world happens, we got food. Oh, a bunker? Yeah, we got everything. <laughs> a house, a storm shelter, barns, Dang. everything. And and so he comes up to me and he says, I real, I've been watching your social media. But this mm. is the power of social media. It's just a... Um, a guy that's in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, okay? And he says, I've been watching your social media because I looked up who you were to, to make sure you could pay the bills on this ranch deal that we're doing. Mm-hmm. He goes, I really like what you're saying. You know a lot of people with money in Dallas. I know a lot of farmers with land out here. I know land-rich, money-poor people. You know cash-rich, land-poor people. Let's do something together. Yeah. So we went and bought a ranch that was 1,200 acres, and we put $100,000 down. What I'll do is I'll go get a, a contract on the property for six or seven months, which is normal in a land deal. So mm-hmm. I got six or seven months to market it before I even got to buy it. Wow. And I'll say, Sean, you want a ranch? I'll pour you a road, dig you lakes, whatever you want. We'll put it all in the final bill that you take to your bank or that we own or finance or whatever. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Seems like a great opportunity. Yeah. And like I said, it's fun. I get to take my kids out to play with cows now <laughs> and, and fish and, you yeah. know. My friends go hunting, shooting pigs on my ranch all the time. So is that big? Yeah, it's big. I have 400 acres on my ranch. Holy crap, that's yeah, insane. it's a good size. Take you about two and a half hours to get around the whole thing. Just to walk it? No, on a four wheeler. Oh, drive it? Yeah. Oh, damn, that shit's huge. <laughs> wow. One thing I really admire about you is how open you are with people. Uh, you're open about your past. You're also open about making money and losing it again four times, right? At least. <laughs> yeah, and I just experienced that last year. I thought I was invincible, right? But it seems like when you have these high highs, there's some low lows coming, right? Yeah, I call that the force of average, Sean. There, let's like for audience simulation here. Let's assume this blue planet that we're on is in in the black skies around it. It's like a server, like with Google, and mm-hmm. the little blue light that comes on on each one of those servers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So let's assume that maybe we're in a simulation, and if we were in some sort of simulation, we'd have to have an algorithm that managed the software that runs the simulation, right? AI and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. much like Meta or Google or anything else. Uh, I call that algorithm that runs this planet the force of average. And so if you're a homeless person on the street here, people will give you a free hamburger. Starbucks might give you free coffee. The city will offer you free shelter. And I'm not saying that's an easy life mm-hmm. or that some people don't have whatever excuses or instances in their life, but society will try to do anything to promote you to go from homeless or substandard just to be an average, right? right. Uh, when you're average, they try to get you in debt and keep you there. You know, mm. get that job for 80 grand a year and they go get you a car payment, a mortgage, have two kids and your tax bill mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, right? And it yeah. just tries to, man, you can never take that risk because now you're locked into mm. debt and slavery to banks, right? Mm-hmm. But for those guys like you and I, we push for greatness, And when we push for greatness, the force of average has a magnetic pull, a gravitational force to try to get us to stop chasing greatness and go back to average. Sometimes that's divorce. Sometimes that's losing all of our money. And it's a test to see if we really want it. But Mm. but the force of average is our enemy. And if you have an enemy, you have to understand what its weapon is, right? In the art of war, it says know thy enemy and then, you know, pick out its its most powerful play that it can make. Mm. And and so the force of average, its job is to distract us. It keeps us distracted at all times. Right. Here's this investment. Oh, here's this this new thing that you might be able to here's a <laughs> here's another shiny diamond that you can chase that's yeah, gonna yeah. take you away from the main diamond that was paying for the shiny ones anyway. And that force of average distracts you. But we humans, we're born with a superpower. It's focus. Mm. 
right? We're born with it. And when I say focus, I don't mean the ability to stare at something. I mean the ability to have a vision and the faith to have action to make that vision a reality, like focus. You, you know, when you first started uh, doing the jersey thing, I know you were DMing me all the time, and I right. know you were DMing thousands of people. Let's build a jersey together. Dude, you were focused and in the zone. Yeah. I bet sometimes you wish you could channel that energy back, right? For sure. I know I do, too. There were nights when... You know, I didn't sleep till three in the morning. Then I wake up at five, ready to go again. I was so jazzed yeah. to be an entrepreneur. I missed that, right? But everything I focus on is now a reality. Right. And the force of average knows that. So it tries to keep you just keep us distracted to where we don't have to go through that. Yeah. And that's what we go through, these ups and downs. But I've got four things that I focus on every day that's been able to keep me in a linear direction as opposed to going up and mm. down. And that's a grateful mindset, my genetics, health and fitness. My grind, which is my job, uh, making the money and everything else, and then the group of people I surround myself with. Yeah. And if I focus on those four things every day, I have a dollar amount I have to make in my business. I have a time that I have to invest in my family and friends. I have time that I have to invest in the gym. And then the mindset of listening to books, podcasts, conversations that I've had to be grateful. I'll focus. I even have a gamification in my phone, how I do this. We call it the G-code. Mm. But I, and, and, and I've been doing it for a long time, but that's allowed me to avoid those lows because I get right back the next day focused on what matters most. Yeah. I really love what you said about focus because that's what got me to where I was, right? Absolutely. And then I started investing in all these industries I had no experience in, all these shiny objects, lost it all, right? And if I just focused on what I was doing... I wouldn't be in that situation. It happens. That's the force of average. That's at its finest. Yeah. Right. It's a, Hey, look at all these other things that, and it makes you think, Oh, you'll get even richer or, Oh, you'll be even more dialed into this many things. Mm -hmm. And it's all a joke. Yeah. I, I I'll never invest in a restaurant again. I can tell yeah, you that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and and people ask me all the time. They say, "Well, what are you working on? What are you excited? What's next for you, man? We're just getting better at the same thing we've been doing for 13 years. Right. That's all. Sales, right? Because I know better, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's sales. So what we do is is what I do specifically with our Apex program is the sales is like the sexy part of it. The get money is the best part of it. But what we're really trying to do is help entrepreneurs get money so they can become the greatest version of yourself. Mm. Uh, you got to get money first. It goes God, air, money. And everybody else says, oh, no, it's family, blah, blah, blah. Your family will starve and die if you don't have money. Right. It can't be that way. Yeah. It cannot, in the hierarchy of needs as a human being, in America at least, it has to be that way. And so when you start folk, now it doesn't mean that it's money over family, but my wife and I have an agreement. If I got to go make money for the family, I, I can't, I might miss a birthday. Mm. You know, something might come. It doesn't happen often, but something like one time I had to go to an event with uh, Ed Milet on my son's birthday. It was the first time that I ever missed his birthday, but it was like, Hey, money calls. Right. These people pay good money. This is good. Uh, social media content and everything else, I got to go. Mm. And, and that's how we're able to pay for this elaborate birthday that I'm about <laughs> to miss. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so when, when you get focused on making the money, what happens is it takes money to make you a better person. You know, you and I, we've invested millions of dollars in ourselves, not right. in our businesses, but going to events. I've seen you at events for years, yeah. Sean, you yeah. know, and I know that if I paid money to be there and you paid money to be there, I know you're investing in yourself. I've seen you in multiple masterminds over mm -hmm. the years that I pay as well as you. So, you know, investing in yourself in the same with your health and fitness, right? Mm -hmm. And good food costs more money. Yeah. Uh, health supplements cost money. I, I, I buy stuff from Andy Frisell over at First Form, and I probably spend $300 a month on supplements and protein bars and stuff like that. For right. Them, right. And sure, that replaces some meals and junk food that I wouldn't eat otherwise. But still, that's that's expensive for a lot of people. You Absolutely. know, and then if you take uh, hormones or peptides, you might be talking another five or six hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Right. But but if you don't make money, you can't 
fight the aging process with those things to get ahead. So mm. that's what we do. We help people figure out how to get the money, sales, marketing, whatever the case. And then we say, now let us show you how to use that money to have the greatest life possible. Mm. I love that. And you're teaching tens of thousands of people, right? Yeah, we got 3,000 members right now. Wow. But, but yes, we've had over, so last, in July, we broke our 100,000th customer. That's insane. So, and that's over a 13 year, a 13 year period. Incredible. And, and your top 1% of students, what character traits are you noticing that they have in common? They all wake up early. They all go to the gym. They all spend time with their significant others. They're all married. That Not all of them have kids, but they're all married. They all spend time with their significant others. Like, so they invest in family, business, they're in, in their health. They're all balanced on the same thing, and they're always investing in themselves. Mm. Uh, sometimes it might be... Uh, it might be an investment like real estate or a car for themselves. Sometimes it might be a seminar. They're always reading books. So it's the same traits that you and I have, yeah. right? The exact same traits. Awesome. Take care of yourself. Take care of your mind. Take care of your business. Yeah. And on the other end, when you see people quitting, what do you think leads to that decision? You know, the, the level you quit at is the highest level you will ever achieve in life. And so many people don't realize that the force of average wants you to quit because then you're back to average and you go get that job. Right. It's, it's a test. You know, how many times, let me ask you, as an entrepreneur, how long you've been an entrepreneur full-time? Uh, probably eight years. Okay, I knew it had been a while. How many times in eight years have you said, F it, I'm getting a job? Never. Never? You never thought that ever? No, no dude, I think it every other day. Like, oh, you dude, do? I'm, just gonna, I'm a salesman. I know I can go make money selling anything. Mortgages, <laughs> real estate. It wouldn't be wouldn't be fulfilling. It, 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 every time, you know, and then I'll get a DM in my inbox. It's like, dude, thanks to you, I got out of prison. I changed my life and I own a business now. I'm like, all right, dude, no job today. <laughs> but, but man, I, I'm just being honest. I want to quit all the time. Really? You know, every morning that I go to the gym, I've been going to the gym for 23 years Every morning that I go to the gym, the first thing that I wake up, I go to the gym early in the morning. Yeah. First thing I wake up is like, how can I text my trainer and get out of this? The oh, yeah. first thought that goes through my even mind. Even to this day? Even today, 23 years later. Wow. And you think by now it'd be this habit that I love and yeah, I love yeah. the results of it and I love how I feel when I leave the gym, but I hate <laughs> that stuff. Right. And every morning, the first thing, excuse, pops into my mind. And same thing with work. Hey, I can take the day off. I got money. I've got uh, employees that can do stuff. I've got all these things going for me. I can just just chill for the day, play video games or whatever, right? Yeah. And I'm always thinking this, so I have to fight it constantly. You know, anytime that you have a bad day or a bad month, you know, you know if I work for somebody, I wouldn't have to deal with all this pressure. And right. again, it's just that voice in my head, but every time I've got to be, hey, you know what? There's a DM that slides in. It's like, man, we need people like you. It's like, yeah, yeah we do. I'm going to get back after it. I guess when you say it that way, I've probably had some thoughts but I never would take action on it. You know what I mean? Oh, I got two felonies and, and, uh, <laughs> and have never had a W-2 salary job my entire life. I don't know that anybody give me a job. Anyway. <laughs> I just have to figure out another lane to drive in. Yeah. You know? How long were you in jail? Uh, three years. Three I years? did state and federal time on, and uh, for $200 worth of I spent 12 years of my life on parole, pretrial, probation, and in prison, man. Wow. They caught it like you just had it in your pocket. Oh, man. You know, I've got a great story. I called a hooker over one night <laughs> and uh, I was 19 years old. I called a hooker over one night and went back in the bedroom. And I, I did sell that just being truthful here, but I was almost out. It was Friday. I'd sold everything. She came over at the end and I had a little bit left over, but I had like scales and paraphernalia. Right, right. I reached over to do this line. I, I was not a user. So I reached over to do this line because I'm about to have sex with this chick. And I guess I passed out, overdosed, and they end up bringing me back to life with those little shockers and nepinephrine or something like that. I don't know. I was out, Dang. right? 
and I just hear the story my roommate was telling me, and then they found the <laughs> in my room, and they found a pistol, which it was actually legal, the gun, because I'm, I'm living by myself and, and all this stuff, but mix it with <laughs> and that takes it to a whole nother level. Right. End up doing two years of my life in prison. And then uh, five, seven years later, after I get out and, and get my life together, the police think I'm selling <laughs> Really, I'm doing real estate, but the police think I'm selling I'm back in the same little town, and mm. there's no way he can get out of prison and be living like this. He's up right, to right. something. They kick in the door of my house. They don't find, but what they did find was another gun. Uh. I like guns, and uh, not anymore. If anybody's listening, <laughs> I don't like them anymore. I learned my lesson the second time, but uh, but they found a gun, and then they sent me to federal prison for 15 months. Jeez, did they have I, a warrant? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh. But it's pretty easy to get a warrant. Hey, he's a felon. He's doing this. We suspect he's got this in there. He's right. known for doing this. Oh yeah, I'll sign off the warrant. They went. And, the same judge signed that warrant seven years later that sentenced me to prison. So it was wow. easy to know to go yeah. to that judge. Sounds pretty corrupt. And yeah. Um, maybe, I mean, I wasn't up to anything good the second time, but God doesn't make mistakes. I was with the wrong people. Mm. And so I needed to be placed in prison. And I helped a lot of people in prison. I oh, taught yeah? them how to clean up their money and, and, and have real hustles. Like, you guys are flipping grams of we teach you houses right and you don't need any money to do this right we got time to talk about it <laughs> and so that was probably where i did my first seminar would be in prison if i had to like dial it back to where like where did you start teaching people That's where this it stuff? all started it would be in federal prison but when i walked in a millionaire walked out uh 15 months later with 25 maybe 50 dollars to my name and had to live Jeez. in a halfway house my wife divorced me ran off with the dude that owned the landscape company that mowed all the yards of the rent houses I owned. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's crazy. Wait, so where'd all the money go when you were in prison? She sold, she, she divorced me, sent papers. And this was the note. Uh, I'm running away with Justin and I'm leaving you. And if you don't sign these divorce papers, giving everything to me, then I will just burn all this stuff down and spend it. By the time you get out, I got a year anyway. Whoa. So at that point, what am I going to do? I'm locked up. There's, I have no family, no nothing. I'm like literally nothing I can do. So, okay, cool. You know, here's this. I just start all over. But here's what I knew when I walked out of prison that day. July 15, 2008, I knew two things. That this was rock bottom. $50, not even a bank account, not a car, not even – I had borrowed clothes from other inmates to get the hell out of their bad situation, going yeah. in to live in a halfway house, meaning nobody even wants to take me into their residence. Wow. And, and I did all this time by myself. A lot of people didn't know I was gone because I told them I was moving to another state to go do mortgages elsewhere because I was embarrassed. Mm. You know, my church people didn't know that I was going away or anything like that. I kept it a secret, so I couldn't really ask for help. Hey, can I move in with you? What happened? You were a millionaire. Well, yeah. We kind of went to prison. What? No, right. you can't come with me. I have kids, right? I already knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And, and, but I knew that that was rock bottom, and I had got it once. I'd already had it once, so I knew I could, if I, I, I've had a taste of success. Yeah. So if I just do that same thing again, I'll be able to get it again. And I'll be able to prove to everybody but that that didn't dictate who I was. And that's exactly what happened, man. And we're, I'm still pushing to try to prove that point today. Love it, man. How tough was it on you mentally being in prison? Because you probably had some life or death situations in there, right? Yeah, so uh, I, I suffer still this day from major PTSD from being in there because it's a you're constantly in. First of all, I didn't look in there like I look out here. Mm -hmm. I, I, I weighed probably 140, maybe 100. And, 50 pounds uh, the first time the second time target. maybe i weighed 180 white skinny young like i'm everything that they love yeah. in there, you know <laughs> and uh and and not for like necessarily even on the sexual side but someone to exploit or whatever but here's the cool thing my whole life unintentionally i've lived by these core values and 
And I didn't snitch on anybody. Mm. And I also didn't owe money on the streets. So when I went in there to do my time, there wasn't, oh, he snitched on Sean, so let's get him. He's right. a snitch. Or, oh, he touched kids. Let's get him. He's a chummo or, or, or none of these things. It was just like he in here doing his own time for his own stuff. Leave him alone kind of. He's a short timer kind yeah. of a thing. So I got in a few fights, but nothing major. And when I went to the uh, federal, well, part of the problem was I had to s- explain this story and go through this process like six or seven different times in the state system mm. because they, I would get in a fight and they would move me to another unit. Mm. Then I would get in a fight and they would move me to another unit. I didn't start fights, <laughs> right? I'm just trying to stay alive. Yeah. And But you see the movies when someone's walking down the run in prison and they're like, oh, fresh meat or whatever, right? I had to do that seven different times. Mm. And explain why I'm here, who I am, to a celly seven different times. I move into different units like, man, a nightmare. You think once of going through that shock of knowing which one of these dudes is going to try to me or have sex with me or whatever the case may be as a young man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because a lot of these guys will get up here and tell you, oh, it was tough, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, I'm just a normal guy. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was put in two bad situations having to yeah. deal with this stuff. Federal prison is completely different, though. I, I, there was good people in there. Oh, yeah? Uh, the feds try to silence good people. I don't know if you've noticed that lately, but I have. <laughs> uh, that's a real thing in there. And a lot of these guys have been locked up pre-social media. So you meet people that were, you know, the senator's aide that knows too much or mm. the CIA operative that, that went rogue that they needed to silence and lock away and military dudes that, that were sentenced to for, for somebody, but they're still, uh, they did it for the government, but how they did it wasn't right. So they put yeah. them in these. So it was just a whole different a lot oh, of white collar guys nice. that, you know, it's funny. They would, I would see guys that would get caught with meth. That was the big thing. Uh, a lot of Hispanic and white dudes were selling meth that were in uh, the unit that I was in. Mm-hmm. These guys get caught with a couple hundred dollars worth of meth and end up doing 10, 15 years of their life. Meanwhile, these white collar dudes are still in two, $3 million and getting you know, <laughs> three or four years. I'm like, man, y'all are in the wrong damn business. <laughs> y'all yeah. need to talk to each other. <laughs> you still talk to anyone from prison? So uh, one day in early 2008, I get a knock on my cell. And I look, and it's this giant Mexican dude with tattoos all over his face, like mm. the, the for the gang, oh, wow. clearly, yeah. right? And my celly goes, I don't know what you did, but don't bring that stuff in here, right? I was like, I don't know what I did either. <laughs> and he goes, hey, Wawa wants to see you. Who's that? He goes, follow me. So I lived in this seven building, and I didn't really go upstairs because I had no business going upstairs. Mm. I didn't live up there. No need to go up there, right? Yeah. And uh, the guard's not up there, so I don't know what the hell goes on up there. I get up there, dude. They're smoking weed up there. They got cell phones, brand new Nike Air Max, Rolexes on in in prison. Rolexes? They are living a completely different (laughs) life than I am. And and floor one is different than floor two, right? (laughs) And I go down to the back of this cell. First of all, I told you I didn't snitch on anybody. When I wound up in federal prison later, the dudes that I sold for were both in federal prison. Oh, yeah? And they were like, hey, man, he's a good dude. Nice. We, he kept his mouth shut and went and did his time for us. What are you doing back here? I thought you cleaned up your life kind of a thing, right? I'm like, I did. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> so they, word gets around that I cleaned my life up. So this guy, Wawa, he, I go and meet him. And uh, he goes, I've got seven years left on my sentence. And I need to figure out how to get out of here and never come back. I've been in here for 17 years. They killed my brother on death row. Yeah. My father's dead. I got to, you know, and he's the gang leader like the shot caller. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, let's buy some real estate. You yeah. got money out there or whatever, right? <laughs> so I'm teaching his guys how to do these things. Well, seven years later, he sends me a letter to 
my office or an email to my office and he says, hey, I'm out. Will you hire me? I, we, we, we own houses. Life is good. We did exactly as you told us to. And uh, we cleaned our lives up. Our, our parents have money now. Our, our aunts and uncles have money now that wow. would clean records and everything else. He goes, I just need a job. I'm on parole. I'll come work for you. And I was like, oh, hell no, man. You're like the <laughs> for the cartel and stuff. You are not going to come work for me. Yeah. He goes, seriously, I'll do it for minimum wage. I'll actually pay you the money back at the end of the week if you want it. And look, I had like maybe one employee at the time, and I don't know how to hire people, and I needed help desperately. Mm. So I'm like, all right, yeah, come on in, right? I'm like, you'll give me my money back? Okay, that sounds <laughs> like a great job. I get free labor? I love yeah. it. But he was just returning the favor. He was grateful for what I'd done for him. Well, flash forward, that was nine and a half years ago. That dude's the COO of my companies. He no runs way. everything. That dude's brilliant. And, wow. And uh, taught him, like, he went in prison before Google, and that guy can build websites like Russell Brunson. I mean, really? just unreal is dedication and focus and patience to being able to do stuff. And the guy was in there for 20 tons of Holy So God. he knows how to manage logistics. He knows how to manage people. He knows how to, right? That's, yeah. a, that's a real operation. If you've ever sold an ounce of you know 20 tons is an operation that's boats and trucks and logistics and management and middle management uh in the cartel setting so dude he works really great for for people and he's gone through a bunch of therapy and treatment to get over his ptsd and stuff he's like this is my best friend that's amazing man so for you and him i feel like those are rare stories i feel like a majority of people coming out of prison they end up worse right yes yes there's few you know there's there's a lot of people you know have felons that have gotten locked up. They just don't talk about it publicly. There's a lot of influencers that are good people mm -hmm. that, that are very well-known business people that did time a long time ago like myself. This is 20 years ago we're talking about, right. you know. Um, but Wes Watson is a great example of somebody who's turned their life around, come mm -hmm. out of prison. I believe Marcus Barney was, is, is telling everybody he's a felon now. I, I think he kept that quiet before, but I noticed he's been talking about it on Instagram saying here – this is what can happen after prison and stuff. So we're starting to see that mm -hmm. because here's what happened. Here's the reason we went to prison. Andre Norman says it the best. He says, you know, we all have childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And if you don't heal it at nine, it's cute. At 14, it's a crime. Mm -hmm. You're not going to jail for guns and you're going to jail because you need attention. And right. This is how you get attention. You're not going and, and you got to heal that trauma. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of us now that, that when we went to prison, there was no Ryan Suman. There was no Wes Watson. There wasn't anybody out there that could that we could look up to and go, that guy's been to prison and he's winning. I, I can do it too. There was none of that. And now we get an opportunity to be that for a small. And, and, and these are people that need us the most because these are criminals. If we can keep somebody from being selling, putting on the streets, if we can get somebody like that to turn their life around, America just becomes a greater country. Mm, I love that. Yeah, you mentioned childhood trauma. I saw your parents got divorced at a young age, right? Yeah. So did you experience some some big trauma there? Yeah, so I was adopted at uh, age seven. So my mom and dad split, and my stepdad adopted me. And, I mean, I have a metal rod in my wrist. My hand doesn't move because of a fight that we got into. Well, seven? He, he was a big dude. No, I was – yeah, he adopted me when I was seven. Uh, he's still married to my mom now. Okay. So. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. But yeah. – uh, you know, rough childhood, being adopted, changing your identity, being born one name and now having another name. And, mm. and what's crazy is my stepdad that adopted me, he was adopted. Mm. So he don't really know who he is really either, if you think about it, right? right? And I'm pretty sure his dad was adopted too. I met his dad a time or two, and I, I believe that was his story too. Maybe not. I might be exaggerating one generation, but then 
I adopted a kid too. Mm. So I had to sit down with my son, Asher, when I adopted him in 2020. And I said, look, son, we changed your name. It happened to me too. Mm -hmm. But here's what I know. We may not know where we came from or who we really are, but I have personally made a name for our last name, and it's your job to carry it on to the next level. And nobody explained that to me, and I'm explaining it to you now, mm. son. And and so uh, it's crazy to think that he's third or fourth generation adopted extra stewman. Yeah. <laughs> like none crazy. of us, no, no males really have that name. My dad's dad's dead. His dad that adopted him's dead. That's a... If you look it up, there's maybe one or two people on the internet or Facebook or Instagram with this name. With it's not, Stuman? Yeah, it's not a common name like wow. you would think. It sounds very common, yeah, it doesn't it? But common. it's not very common at all. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, it sounds like a name you hear like Smith or Johnson, yeah. but it's really not. If you go look on Facebook, there's very few people with that name. Wow, that's funny. I was shocked too because yeah. I thought it was just a very common name, but it's really not. Yeah, man, this has been super enlightening. Powerful messaging. Anything you want to close off with or promote? Uh, yeah, you know, if you want to fight that force of average and you want to stop the ups and downs in life, you can go to Daily G Code, dailygcode.com. It's free. I'm not going to email you. I don't have an upsell. I don't have a free course or a paid course to sell you on that. It's a tool I use to keep score every day with what I focus on. And right now, I'm at like 5,200 points at four points a day. That's like 1,900 days if I've done my math right. So so I've been at this. No, I'm sorry. It's 903 days. I've been at this for a very long time. It's absolutely changed my life. It's changed 15,000 other people's lives too. So just go to dailygcode.com and uh, sign up for that. And then you can follow me on social media at Hardcore Closer on Instagram and Real Ryan Stuman with the blue check on Facebook. Lots of imposters. There are <laughs> lots of Stumans on Facebook. They're me and somebody trying to get uh, Bitcoin out of people. Yeah, so Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Dude, thanks for having me. Awesome studio, man. Thanks, I love man. it here. Yeah. Thanks for watching, guys. And I'll see you next time.